It is Monday, November 7th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Chiefs escape a scare. The Bills do not. And the league's two oldest quarterbacks have disparate results. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Kansas City Chiefs 20, the Tennessee Titans 17 in overtime. The Buffalo Bills upset by the New York Jets 2017. And Tom Brady gets back on track. Maybe. (laughs) What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Uh, Let's start with Sunday Night Football, as we do each and every Monday morning. And let's talk about this Chiefs win over the Titans in overtime, AJ. 2017, in a game that if you just looked at the box score, you would think there's no way that not only did Kansas City not win the game, but that they didn't cover the large spread. Because everything in... This box score would have told you that the Chiefs blew out the Titans. I mean, the Chiefs dominated time of possession. The passing yardage was like a million to 40. Uh, (laughs) Well, zero (laughs) wide receivers for the Titans had a catch. Which is unbelievable when you just think about that. In a a modern-day NFL game, zero passes were completed to a wide receiver, and that team was competitive enough to be in overtime. With the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah, not just like not just like the Giants doing it early in the season. This is the Kansas City Chiefs we're talking about. This was a weird game for me because I came away from this in a way feeling more respect for the Titans mm. than I had going in because the Titans have won won and covered five games in a row before yeah. this game, but it was against bad teams. They were like they lost to the Giants week one. And then they just got absolutely murdered by the Bills in week two. And then they played five cupcake games. And it was like, okay, that's cute. But you're not good enough to hang with the big boys. Last night proved that wrong. They're clearly good enough to hang with the big boys. But at the same time, I walked away thinking, how how many games can this team win with this quarterback situation? Mm. And... Uh, pregame research says based on just the pure box score stats, the projected score would be 32-16 Chiefs. The Chiefs (laughs) should have dominated this game. Yep. But instead, they're in overtime, and really they're fighting in overtime, going for it on fourth down. Like, I mean, it was a dogfight. Well, this is what you saw. An incredible defensive game coached by Mike Vrabel because it – I think it set the record for the most times in Patrick Mahomes' career – it was seven consecutive possessions without scoring a point. Yeah. That has that just hasn't happened to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs before. And a lot of the sacks that the Titans were able to get, it, it wasn't about really the pressure up front. They were coverage sacks. Yep. They did a tremendous job of taking away the receiving options for Patrick Mahomes. And did they... Get called for a lot of penalties? Yes. Were there plays where there should have been penalties called and there weren't? Yes. 
what Mike Vrabel and the Titans set out to do. And I wonder if other teams watch this game film and pick up on this blueprint. They were extremely physical with the Kansas City Chiefs receiving options to the point where they were laying guys out as soon as they broke the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they got illegal contact penalties, but who cares? Five yards is better than 50 yards. And they weren't letting anybody get down the field against them. This it was just a it was first of all it was just a weird game so let's call it that to begin with mm-hmm. but you're right it, like defensively the Titans did something right here like there's there's no denying that I don't know that it's that a blueprint's been laid out because I I if it's funny if you would if you had told me the Titans were going to come in and you know complete how many passes they did it was like six passes. I would have thought the Chiefs game plan would have been to pass less than what they did. Because you would think that, you know, when you're when you're running that type of an offense, you'd think the Titans would be the ones controlling the the the, the, the time of possession. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case. It was just a backwards kind of game, honestly. And I, I'm both astounded by mm-hmm. what the that the Titans were able to hang around in this game. And also just kind of uh, maybe a little disappointed in the Chiefs for not being able to get any kind of margin here in a game that they statistically dominated. Yeah. So it was the second quarter. That's it. It, The the Titans got some good Derrick Henry runs in the second quarter. It led to the, uh, you know, the touchdowns and, and, and that was it. The rest of the game, they did absolutely nothing. Derrick Henry had zero rushing yards in the first quarter. And I think he had like 92 in the second quarter. He finished the game with 115. So it was everything came in that second quarter. Patrick Mahomes had 68 pass attempts, which is the fourth highest total in a game in league history. Or I guess really it's the third highest. There's one game that had two quarterbacks split up, Stafford through 32, Orlovsky through 38. So that's a 70 for Detroit back in 2015. Drew Bledsoe had 70 for the Patriots in 94. And Vinny Testaverde had 69 in 2000. <laughs> and then there's this 68 pass performance against a team that – threw the ball 16 times, mm-hmm. completed five passes. It mm-hmm. seems like, do you really need to throw it that many? It was, just like I said, the only way I can describe it, it was a weird-ass game. Uh, Derrick Henry was very Derrick Henry-esque. 17 carries, 115 yards, two but touchdowns. Like I said, 92 of those yards came in the second quarter. And ju- on just a couple big chunk yeah, plays, too. That's it. Uh, you know, it was – and I knew it was going to be a weird game when the when the Chiefs started the game with like an eight and a half minute drive and walked away with a field goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that was it. Told the story uh, of the game. So uh, and you know the Chiefs miss a couple field goal. They miss a field goal. They miss an extra point. Uh, just some some little things that separate the the best teams from good teams. The Chiefs were good enough to win last night, but they they didn't look like what I expected them to look like. Buffalo loses 17 to 20. This was the worst Josh Allen performance I can remember in some time. Uh, he, uh, he ran the ball well, first of all. Mm-hmm. He had nine carries, 86 yards, and two touchdowns. But it felt like everything with Josh was labored. 
yesterday. And the when he wasn't making mistakes, he was almost making mistakes. I was telling McKenzie this about the very first drive of the game. The Jets kick off to start the game. <laughs> Their kicker slips. His plant foot slips, and it's basically an accidental onside kick. The Bills recover. The very first play, Josh Allen hits Stephon Diggs, who humiliates Sauce Gardner. They get down into the red zone on one play. And then Josh Allen throws a bonehead interception mm-hmm. and does the thing where he puts his hands on his head. It's like, yeah, how could you throw that ball? Like, it, it's, it was a crazy thing to do. The, I am less enthralled by the Bills right now than I have been all year. This game is inexcusable. Losing to the Dolphins early in the year is one thing. The Dolphins, I think, are a good football team. I, do I think they're better than the Bills? No. But mm-hmm. I think if they play 10 times, the Dolphins are going to win three. The Jets are not good. I, I, you cannot convince me the Jets are good. The Jets have one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Yep. The Jets now have just a guy playing running back. Mm-hmm. What what are the Jets great at? And they got a good. They got listen. They they're a, really lucky. They got I've a got head coach. They got a head coach, a defensive minded head coach that uh, has drawn up some some good schemes. Uh, they were able to limit Josh Allen. Josh Allen was only 18 of 34 passing. You mentioned the one interception. He had two interceptions. They sacked him five times, including one where his arm was hit, his elbow got pulled back. There's a lot of people concerned about Josh Allen's elbow, although he did manage to throw a 70-yard pass after getting the elbow hit, but was seen ten, you know, taking care of it, hurt, wiggling it, touching it. He's clearly bothered by it, and I think this is something that has to be monitored throughout the week because we could be looking at a Case Keenum sighting next week against his former team in the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, uh, the Jets, that is certainly a concern for Josh Allen. Uh, The Jets, one of the luckier teams in pregame's projections. Entering week nine, they are a minus two team uh, by our year-to-date projections, so... Um, and the score of that game, the stats projection, which we gave you for the Kansas City game, was 23-23. The Bills didn't play well. I'm not saying that the Jets got lucky. I don't think the Jets did get lucky. Mm-hmm. I think the Bills just played a, a donkey game. Josh Allen, like the when he was when he wasn't throwing picks, he was fumbling and picking it up himself, or having someone else pick it up and losing 12 yards. It, it was a, just a very non-Josh Allen game, and that's. Not after he got hit in the elbow. That was all game long. Yeah, he just looked off. And the you know, we were talking before in pre-production about how maybe the, the, he's bored. Maybe he just thinks, okay, it's the Jets. Mm. We can roll the helmet out. But that's not what this Bills team has done the last couple years. When they've had a a bad opponent across from they them, they stomped on them. They have gone out and made an example of them. So for this game, I I can't explain it. I can't. Uh, I, I I don't know where it came from. But I am not uh, I'm not very pleased with what I saw out of Buffalo. And this, this is a team that Fez was saying last week. Like, There's nobody else. That no one else Super can Bowl. win the Super yeah. Bowl. Like, that's how good the Bills are. Well, here's what I am. The Bills look in. very vulnerable right now. Let's hear from R.J. Bell and his thoughts on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills' performance here in this game. I'm going to pose the following question. What has Josh Allen ever won? Nothing yet. All right? And... We, we might say it's unfair. It's unfair. No, 
Josh Allen, by definition, what his nature is, he's a risk taker. He's a guy that makes these amazing plays. But is he a guy like Brady? Now, we know he's not the GOAT, but is he a guy like Brady that will make or avoid the mistake? Maybe avoid the mistake, but not have a chance at the glory, not have the chance at the big ESPN Sports Center play. Because if you looked at this game, Josh Allen was not patient. He kept going downfield, going downfield. It's, they would have had to almost try to lose this game. And that's taking nothing away. Well, I guess it is from the Jets, but they get credit. No Brees Hall, still uh, a strong performance. Zero pressures the O-line for the Jets gave up on 29 pass attempts. Wilson didn't kill them, and that's all they really need in many of these games. But Josh Allen did, in a way, kill the Bills. And if you think back through his professional history in the NFL, it was always he can do something amazing, Josh Allen, but, boy, he seems to make that critical mistake. Now, if he's not patient enough to beat the Jets thrown short, doing the, the, the minimum to win, why would that be? It's because he's already got the Super Bowl on his mind. He's already got Kansas City's rematch on his mind. And once that opportunity presents itself, is that going to be positive or is it going to be pressure, too much pressure for a guy that's never really succeeded under pressure? I don't know. We'll see. But what I want to pose to AJ specifically, does he agree with me? Does he see that this is a guy that is great in Madden, great if you're nine years old and you want to make an amazing throw in your backyard and say, Josh Allen, but is this a guy that wins Super Bowls? I'm not sure. And, you know, now I think about it, Scott needs to answer that same question because he overpaid out the wazoo for the bills in our draft. Now, I did have Tampa Bay and Green Bay in that draft, so I'm not celebrating. But still, the Bills overpay. How worried is this duo straight out of Vegas AM style? Let's hear. All right, let's start with this. Like Josh Allen, you're right. RJ has not won anything yet, but he is in year four. I mean, this isn't like year five now. I guess this isn't like a a guy who's been in the league for 10 years Mm -hmm. and we're still wondering, is he ever going to turn the corner? The idea that Josh Allen can't play a big game is silly to me because Josh Allen showed up and did everything he could do right against Kansas City in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Josh Allen wasn't Including coaching that game. Some of the most incredible throws you'll ever see. Josh Allen wasn't playing defense in that game. Josh Allen did everything you could have possibly asked your quarterback to do, and they, they still didn't win. So I, I don't know that it's it's fair to to throw Josh Allen into the can't win category like he's you know somehow Philip Rivers. Uh, this feels like a turning point for Josh though. This this game, if anything should really be a wake-up call. Like well, like I said know, earlier, this a, is an inexcusable a, loss. It's a slice of humble pie. That's what it is. And if you think about it, this is – it happens to teams. They play down to their competition. This is the NFL. Every player is a professional football player. They're all trying to win. Just because your collection of talent – might not be as good as somebody else's collection of talent, doesn't mean that the effort is not the same on both sides. 
And for anybody to overlook anybody in the NFL is a discredit to the opponent. And RJ says, I don't want to take anything away from the Jets. Yeah, he did take away something from the Jets. <laughs> yeah. Because the Jets went out there and played their asses off, and they won a football game. And yeah, the conversation is about the, the Buffalo Bills, and I get that. But this is still a 6-2 and two team. Am I worried about them? No. They're still the favorite to win the Super Bowl, as they should be. They're still the best team in the NFL. Well, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, but they're still the top one of the top teams in the NFL. And with all the chips on the line, I would take Josh Allen and this Buffalo Bills team over every team, with the exception of maybe maybe the Eagles, maybe the I, Chiefs. Listen, I still think I don't know. I, I, I'm not. It's one game. I still think the Bills are the best team. That's what I'm saying. I'm not worried about it. I'm not suddenly thinking, oh, well, like, are we forgetting what they did to Tennessee? Are we forgetting that they've already got wins over the Chiefs and the Ravens? Like, every other good team in the AFC has lost to this team. Yeah. Um, It's, but this is an eye opening thing. Mm -hmm. It's certainly, like you said, it should be a wake up call. It should be like a humbling thing for, for Josh Allen. Because this is this is not what they did yesterday is not championship level football, and they had plenty of chances to to take control of that game, to run away with that game, and they didn't. So I I, th- I think questioning Josh's ceiling is certainly warranted at this point because mm-hmm. he hasn't won. Mm-hmm. But what what happened yesterday doesn't tell me that he can't not like that he's incapable of winning somehow. I am interested in I will lay the wood on December 11th when the Jets go up to Orchard Park to play against the the Bills. If Josh Allen's healthy, I think you have. Oh to. Yeah. yeah, I think it, I think if that spread is 16, <laughs> I'll lay it with the Bills because they're gonna they're gonna. I certainly won't be on the other side. Certainly won't be on the other side. By the way, the first team in the NFL this season to go over their preseason win total. Win total was five and a half. And uh might as well, you know, toot my own horn a little bit because earlier this summer on the RJ Bell Dream preview podcast, preseason win total I gave out was the New York Jets over five and a half. What a draft. And that has <laughs> that Such has now been clinched here in week nine of the NFL season. Honestly, I wouldn't have believed it if you told me it would have hit in week nine. I would have said, oh, week 16? Yeah, they got their sixth win? All right. So I guess here's the new question (laughs) is, are the Jets a playoff team? Well, you look at the standings in the AFC, and you have to think, where could the – who's – who are the Jets getting into the playoffs over as a wild card team? Right now, the Jets are positioned in the five spot. Miami is tied with them at six, and then the Chargers – are the seventh seed, but the Jets have a win over Miami already. The, and the and the Patriots have uh, are next at five and four, and then you got the Bengals. By all, by the way, the Patriots and Bengals, two of the Jets' three losses. By all metrics, the Bengals are one of the top teams in the AFC. Not a ninth seed right now, fighting to get up. Like I think the Bengals are not dead for their division. So Bengals and Ravens. Absolutely going to be one of those wild card teams. I think the Patriots are better than the Jets, so maybe they're going to you know rise up and become one of those wild card teams. I think the biggest question mark when it comes to this mix is the Chargers. I don't know who the Chargers are. Certainly, they're a team that can barely win a football game without <laughs> wide receivers, uh, but 
I don't know who the Chargers are because their schedule is going to get more difficult down the stretch, and I don't know if this team lives up to preseason hype. Well, I I mean – it's going to be difficult to live up to preseason hype if they can't get some bodies back healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you know, they, they they get a win yesterday uh, in a game that was probably closer than it should have been. Dicker the but, kicker. But they they need some sort of outside weapons because they the way this team is built is almost to punt on the run game. So now when you've got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out and you've got uh, Carter and Palmer, like who are just – they're not bad, but they're mm-hmm. third and fourth wide receivers. When the, when that's your offense, you're limited because this team has basically said before the season we don't need to run the ball. We're gonna do we're gonna do it our way. We're we're gonna we're gonna chuck the ball around. So when these receivers get banged up, it's a lot more difficult to run your offense. Chargers have a couple real tough games lined up now. They're at San Francisco uh, next weekend on Sunday Night Football. Should be a great game. And then they are home to the Chiefs in the rematch of that week two game that mm-hmm. was so good where Justin Herbert got hurt. But that was one of the best games we've seen so far this year. That's Those two games, if they, if they can split those games, I'd feel pretty good about the Chargers' chances to make the playoffs. Because after that, you've got, a, you've got Cardinals, Raiders. Colts, Broncos left on the schedule. You've, you've got some, mm-hmm. some free squares. You know, going back to the Jets for a moment – they're twenty to one to win the AFC East right now, and you, you, no seriously, and they're one game out. Not only are they one game out with a tiebreaker, mentioned, you mentioned it before. <laughs> they have wins over the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. What does that tell you? Absolutely nothing. But <laughs> if you wanted to take a flyer, uh, just give me your money instead. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the right move. All right, let's talk about. The Green Bay Packers, who stink. I, I, there's no other way to say it. It even if they would have found a way to win this game, you know, even if Rodgers converts on fourth down and they they score the touchdown and win the game, the Packers still stink. There's no two ways about it. McKenzie, what was the uh, the the our win probability on this game for the Packers? Packers in Detroit had a 23 percent chance. On average, per snap in the fourth quarter, fourth quarter win share. So 77% of the time, the Lions win this game. This was no fluke final. This was the Lions are better than Green Bay yesterday. That's all it boils down to. This was – the Packers are a broken team. Mm -hmm. And you said this a couple weeks ago. They're soft. Like, the idea that you can only put up nine points on this defense – Seriously. It's it's crazy. I mean, that is – like last, this game, this game should have been an auto over, considering the, every Lions game goes over. Think about the last time we saw the Packers twenty seven seventeen at Buffalo. It was like okay, they showed some fight, which was good because they hadn't shown fight in a few weeks against bad teams. They showed some fight against Buffalo. I thought maybe this is the game. Like they're about to get right. Like had they played as well as they did against Buffalo, against the Giants or the Jets or the Commanders, they win those games. Mm-hmm. I said, if they play like this against the Lions, it's easy money. But the Lions outplay them. This is fascinating, and not only – we're not the only ones taking notice. McKenzie, what's been the line move for next week's game with Dallas? Lots of Cowboys money 
for McCarthy's teams going to Lambeau. This was minus three, even money, a cheap three on the Cowboys before the game Sunday afternoon. It is now minus four and a half and more money coming in on Dallas. Man, un- unreal. The and- McCarthy revenge going back to Lambeau? <laughs> I mean, that's that's what he's hoping for, I'm sure. Aaron Rodgers, 23 of 43, three picks. I... <sighs> He got outplayed by Jared freaking Goff. I, I mean, this, that's that's all. It's there's not much to say about about what's going on here, other than you know. And we, and we talked about last week. Oh well, they ran the ball really effectively. Maybe they they found their way. That's what that's what they're going to do. Aaron Jones nine carries, twenty five yards. They, they go right mm-hmm. back away from it. And the fact that they could not bully around this team is fascinating to me. And I'm. I don't know. I, to me, the Packers are dead. And Aaron Rodgers just isn't right. The two red zone interceptions on the on the on the first two drives, that's not Aaron Rodgers, or that's not the Aaron Rodgers that we are used to seeing, or the Aaron Rodgers that we remember. This is a different quarterback this year, and this is a guy that visibly does not look interested in this game anymore. He 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 doesn't sound like it when he's doing his Pat McAfee interviews every week. He sounds dejected. He looks dejected. And I think we we talk about it each and every week. Like, could it get worse for the Green Bay Packers? I, I want to say this is the bottom, losing to the Lions like this. <laughs> but I don't think it's the bottom because I think it gets worse. And it might get worse this next week at home to your former head coach that you let go. Oh, and, you forced out. Yeah. And it's the Cowboys – in your building. Let's let me let me ask you guys a hypothetical here. Yes, he does retire. Aaron Rodgers when it's all said and done, his numbers will have him in the conversation for the Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. If Aaron Rodgers leaves on this note, like it feels like he this season, he retires uh, th- early. This like season, in, yes, has soured it. It, it. it, I, I have a different opinion of Aaron Rodgers. Well, think season. about this. Like, it, and now, granted, these two guys would be ending their careers in the the most insanely different ways possible. But like John Elway is a guy he'll be compared to. Uh, John Elway, a guy who won two Super Bowls on his way out the door, like mm-hmm. hung on, fought for every last, and won two Super Bowls on the way out. Aaron Rodgers would be retiring two years early on his contract because he couldn't win anymore. Like he would just, he would be judged differently based on the way he leaves. And if he doesn't leave, if he, if he stays around, I don't know that it continues to get better. I I don't know that it's, we see, we see, Oh yeah. Aaron Rodgers is just improving his legacy here. I don't think so. Aaron Rodgers is in a really weird spot from a legacy standpoint because this season is certainly changing people's opinions of him. And if they, if this season ends up going full on disaster, if this Mm -hmm. is a a five and 12 season, I've said this before, elite quarterbacks don't let their teams go five and 12. I, I said this a lot about Deshaun Watson when Mm -hmm. the, when the Texans went four and 13, if Deshaun Watson was indeed like, a top tier quarterback. How did they go four and thirteen? You're right. Like elite quarterbacks should be able to drag a pile of garbage to five hundred. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I don't even know if Matt Stafford's elite, but Matt Stafford did that a few times. Like, literally piled a a pile of garbage. He drug it to 500. This is one of those, like, how how can we look at Aaron Rodgers as one of the greatest of all time when he walked away after a five and twelve season, it's going to be difficult, in my opinion. I had no idea ayahuasca made you a bad quarterback. Well, d- kids, don't do drugs. <laughs> well, he said he did it the last couple of years too, right? I think he credited oh, it for his MVP seasons. Oh well, at least we don't know what. To maybe do. he had a different I, shaman this time. <laughs> I do. I do believe with psychedelics, there's like a certain number that you don't want to cross. It's called microdosing, uh, and I think maybe he. he it, you know, cross the line. Yeah, with LSD, it's like if you do it five times, okay. If you do it six, eh, you're ruined. <laughs> I think maybe he's the ayahuasca. It's maybe one too many times. Taking a look back though at this Sunday in the NFL, what's the biggest story or the biggest takeaway for RJ Bell? Biggest story to me that won't be discussed enough is the tenacity of the Bears. This is a team that trailed seven three. 14-10, 21-10, 28-17, 35-25, and finally 35-32. They traded away the front office, the two best defensive players, or two of the best for sure, and the defense didn't do well, but the team fought. As you know, Justin Fields, 178 yards, that is a regular season record for quarterbacks. Only 15 carries, 15 carries, not killing him when it comes to how many carries. Obviously, whenever a quarterback runs the ball, it's dangerous. Uh, And how long is this sustainable? I don't know. But he only threw for 123 yards, though three TDs. Still, it feels like this is his way, Fields, to being a successful NFL quarterback however long that lasts. In the same game, Tyreek Hill, only eight targets, seven catches, and he is on a borderline record pace, if not a record pace. I guess the question is 17 games versus 16. Keep in mind, Tua, who's playing very well, has not been in the game about a third of the snaps, a third of the pass attempts specifically. So imagine and those quarterbacks didn't do, even Teddy didn't do as well as Tua. Where, where would Hill be if Tua had been in the whole game? I'll be honest, AJ. I, I guess I do have to give the Bears some credit because I wasn't giving it to them during the week. The Dolphins were one of the plays that I considered during the dream preview, and it was because of the fact, as RJ mentioned, they traded away two of their top defensive players, and I, I thought that that meant that this organization was not in, you know, you know, buy mode for this year, for lack of a better term. Like, they weren't all in for this year, and I didn't think that a defensive-minded head coach was going to be happy with losing his top two tacklers, but this is a team that put the game in the hands of, of their quarterback, and he almost delivered an upset victory. Yeah, it, Justin Fields wouldn't go away. And it, RJ's right, the the passing numbers are still work to be done there. Although 95-4 QBR game mm-hmm. for Justin Fields is, is pretty impressive. But we were talking about this in pre-production as well. 
yesterday was a, a day where you sort of realized why people were enamored with Justin Fields because when you're when you're looking for a quarterback, you're looking for someone who's got some sort of superpower. Yeah, and Justin Fields has a superpower. Like mm. you saw a couple of those runs where it's like there ain't there's not many guys in the league who can do that. No, and t- to me. If you've got a guy who you think might be able to do that, who could maybe turn into that, that's the kind of guy you want to take your risks on because you can't teach that. There's no film room that teaches some of the things that Justin Fields can do. Um, I, I don't know if it's sustainable long term. I, I think anybody who questions whether it is, that's warranted because we've seen a lot of bad football out of Justin Fields. But if this is what Justin Fields' ceiling is, he's going to get a lot of chances to to figure it out. A lot of people are talking about Justin Fields after this game, and rightfully so. 178 rushing yards, that's a record. But to me, I, watching this game and, and going you know, with the highlights uh, and, and watching Red Zone all day and keep flashing back as both these teams just kept scoring, Tua and the Dolphins' offense are just as scary as anybody in the NFL. I mean, sure. this, is, this is like what we're used to seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs. There's so much speed. They're so dynamic. And whether it's Tyreek Hill going, for, going off for 143 in a touchdown, Jalen Waddle scoring and doing his little Waddle celebration. I love that. I mean, two or through for 302 yards. He's having a t- tremendous season. And what did I say? Jeff Wilson? First game being acquired from the Dolphins, seamless transition. He knows this offense. He slid in nine carries, 51 yards perfectly to this offense. He's only going to get better. And I, I think, sure, we're going to talk about Justin Fields, but let's give the Dolphins some respect here. Yeah, uh, Justin Fields, His two of his four highest QBR games of his career in the last two weeks. So he has so something about this offense. There's something click. clicking for him, but you're right. The dolphins, this, it the, it's funny that the dolphins win the game, but Justin Fields was the story to a man. He has, I, I, I said this last week, I'll say it again. People had thrown Tua in the trash can. Yeah. Like it, Tua was, there were people who thought Tua was not a real, like a realistic NFL quarterback. Like, he didn't have the arm strength to mm-hmm. do – like, they just figured it out that this is the kind of offense that he needs. They put him in a position to succeed. Absolutely. Sometimes that's all guys need, to be put in a position to succeed. That's clearly been the case here. Um, Tua has been unbelievable. And the things that they've put around him fit perfectly. And whether you're talking about head coach, you're talking about wide receivers, you're mm-hmm. talking about running – whatever you're talking about – it fits perfectly. So uh, kudos to the Dolphins for putting this together and and kudos to their head coach for saying, no, two is the guy that I want running this show. This is this is what I this is what I signed up for uh, because he was right. And kudos to Scott on the Jeff Wilson prop. Nice hit, bro. Thank you. That, that's always a nice one, too. Yes. Two minute Tom, I'm gonna call him. <laughs> uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks get a 16-13 win. Over the L.A. Rams. McKenzie, what's fourth quarter win share? Tell us about this Rams-Bucks game. Two-minute time. You should call him 44-second time. 
The Rams had a 60% fourth quarter win share in this one. 60%. So this is what we would call a a, a fraudulent final, perhaps. Unexpected result. Oh, yes. is that, that's a nice way to say it. Unexpected, <laughs> unexpected result. And this, I think that's the, a nice way to put it. But first of all, this was a terrible game to watch if you were uh, like if you were being held hostage. There's 15 punts <laughs> if you, in a row. If you were being held in Guantanamo, like this is what they would have on repeat to with get like, you to with, play. like with like the, the clips holding your yeah, eyes like open. Clockwork Orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was not a fun football game to watch up until the bitter, bitter end. And you know they they said on the broadcast. Well, you don't want to give Tom Brady too much room to work with here. You don't, you don't want to let them get the ball out to the 50 because Tom Brady – and I was thinking to myself, that's old Tom Brady. That's not, <laughs> that's not this newfound Tom Brady. This is new age Tom Brady. He's not doing that. Well, sure enough – and this is – I guess you could say, well, do you, do you credit Tom Brady or do you blame the Rams for doing like the, the cardinal sin – in that situation, all you do is you don't give up the sideline and you don't give up the middle of the field. And the Rams said, no, we're going to do both those things. We're going to give up the middle of the field. Then Pathetic. we're going to give up the sideline. It, it, it was one of the worst defensive final possessions that you'll ever see. Like NFL coaches should take film of the final 44 seconds of this game and show it to their teams on what not to do in that situation. It was terrible coaching, worse execution, and the Super Bowl hangover, whatever you want to call it, this Rams team is three and five and not showing any signs of life. Yeah, this is a they're in a, a really precarious situation too because their wins are against the Panthers, Falcons, and Cardinals. All right, maybe the Falcons win you want to say is okay. They let Atlanta come right back in that game. But a win against the Cardinals? That doesn't impress me. A win against the terrible Panthers? Nope. And they've lost every other game they've played. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I don't know who's good. I, I don't know, particularly in the NFC, I don't know who's good. I, I, the Bucks win this game. I don't think the Bucks are good. I don't think the Packers are good. I don't think the Rams are good. Uh, Besides I, the Eagles, maybe the Cowboys and the 49ers? I get people questioning the Seahawks, but yeah. the Seahawks go out every week and they – they show me that they look good. Like the Vikings, they keep winning football games. Sure. But we don't know if they're good. You're, the Eagles are the one team because <laughs> the 49ers, I think the 49ers are good. Their results haven't been good. You know, the, the Seahawks, Vikings, I can see people questioning, like, why? I don't know if they're, if they're fool's gold or they're good. The Cowboys, I'm not, I'm not 100% on, but the Eagles are the one team I'm sure is really good in the NFC. It's it's just a really weird season. Like none of this makes sense to mm. me. If if you had told me the Rams, Bucks, and Packers would all be under five hundred after Week Nine, I was like, that's impossible. It, I really would have thought that was impossible. Yet here we are. Well, I will say this: a much needed sigh of relief for Tom Brady. And and you say what you will about how the game played out. The fact that they got the win where he was facing the longest losing streak in his career, right? Yeah. Potentially, like this is this was a sigh of relief because had they lost this game and then they welcome in 
the upstart Seahawks, we could be looking at five straight losses. This could be a Green Bay Packers situation. So a much-needed sigh of relief for Tom Brady, who's now 1-0 since the public uh, announcement of the divorce. I'm telling you, it's a weight lifted off his shoulders. A weight lifted off his shoulders. Uh, McKenzie says, after Seattle lost to Atlanta 27-23 in Week 3, the Seahawks were 45-1 to to win the NFC West. They are currently plus 150 to win the NFC West, the second favorite behind the Niners at minus 135. Rams plus 1,000, Cardinals plus 3,000. The Cardinals are dead. And let's just start there as we kind of buzz around the NFL for the rest of this uh, rest of this NFL card, and we'll just give quick notes on each each game. The, the Cardinals, I, I don't think there's any life left in this team. Seahawks are good, but the Cardinals, it felt like the Cardinals gave it their best shot, and they still weren't close. They they just they don't win at home. They got a home win earlier this year. That was a fluke. <laughs> it was their, their first one since like October of last year. Yeah, they just they, this is not a good football team. It's not a well coached football team. You have a, a, a dynamic athlete at quarterback, and DeAndre Hopkins is as elite as they come, and he certainly had an impact on their offense when he came back. But this is not a good football team. The Raiders. Fall 27 to 20 to the Jags. Third loss this season for the Raiders, in which they had at least a 17 point lead. That ties the record for the most such losses in an NFL season. They've only played eight games. Nathaniel Hackett or Josh McDaniel? Who who is uh Wow. Who's been worse so far this year? I I, I got to say Nathaniel Hackett because at least Josh McDaniel has coached this team to having three 17-point leads in three of their losses. So yeah. you can look at it and say, oh, if our defense came up with a stop here or there, we could be, you know, instead of two and six, we're sitting here at, you know, five and three. So, <laughs> By the way, the last time uh, we had a three uh, – that happened three times in a season – 2020 LA Chargers under Anthony Lynn, who blew three 17 point leads. The mm. Chargers get a 2017 win over the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Justin Herbert, 245 yards and a touchdown. Josh Palmer with 106 receiving yards. Big day without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams around. We talked about the Bears and Dolphins. The Panthers. This is the Panthers. Baker's back. Welcome back. Baker's back. Yeah. Uh, 42-21. Baker Mayfield does come in after a 3-for-10 for 9 yards and 2-pick start for P.J. Walker. 2.6 QBR. Uh, this is this is kind of where you were last week when they said P.J. Walker's our starter for now. Mm-hmm. It blew up in their face. Yeah. Like, P.J. Walker had a couple nice games, but PJ, if P.J. Walker was more than P.J. Walker, we would have known already by now. Like, uh, it, but I thought, A.J., this, this Bengals offense was was dead without Jamar Chase. I Well, listen, they sure were last week when I bet on him <laughs> against the Browns. Joe Mixon, 153 yards on the ground, 58 through the air, five total touchdowns pretty good. for Joe Mixon who's been a ghost for the most part this season, has been a big zero 
uh, had the game of his career. Joe Burrow, really efficient game, 22 of 28, 206 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but the, just a quarterback play for for the Panthers, you could they could not overcome it. Although Baker did look a lot better, in, mm-hmm. you know, in relief. Than, but by the time he got in there, too way too little, way too late for the Carolina Panthers, who are back in the discussion for that number one overall pick next year. They're, it's a dogfight, uh, guys. The Patriots over the Colts, twenty-six to three, in a battle of. Really, 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 really bad quarterbacks in Mac Jones and Sam Ellinger. Bill, I, Bill Belichick against uh, rookie quarterbacks. I know Ellinger not a, a rookie, but making his second career start. And Bill Belichick just dominates in that role. Belichick going up against these guys, he completely takes away your game plan. He makes the guy uncomfortable. And look at what happened. 15 of 29 for 103 yards and an interception. Ellinger couldn't do anything against this Patriots defense. And you said it on the Dream Pod. You were like, hey, welcome. Introduce yourself to Matthew Judon, right? Nine (laughs) sacks in this game. Ellinger got sacked nine times. Nine times. Seriously. Nine times in this game. Nine? Nine (laughs) times. It was... uh, it was absolutely a, a, a incredible performance. Matthew Jr. had three of those nine sacks for the Patriots. Bill Belichick now 65% ATS, 80% straight up against first and second year quarterbacks. Last game that we haven't talked about. You like that? The Minnesota Vikings 20, the Commandos 17. As Kirk Cousins gets his first win back in Washington. Kirk actually started out the game really, really sharp and then fell asleep for two quarters, Mm -hmm. I think, and then woke up at the end and said, oh, I guess I better win this football game. Uh, But an unbalanced performance by Kirk Cousins, but he was the better of the two quarterbacks, and uh, they got themselves a win. Taylor Heineke. Not a great day well, the inter- uh, for Taylor. The interception killed them uh, because they have a 17-10 lead. There's potential for them to drive down the field, milk some clock, and 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 put up more points there, and, and go into the uh, you know go into the fourth with a big lead. But instead, it's it's the Vikings who come all the way back now, tie the game, and then eventually get the game-winning uh, field goal at the end. And Kirk Cousins celebrating on the plane in one of the more asinine videos I've seen. <laughs> uh, TJ Hawkinson, 70 yards receiving. Good for him. Nine receptions in his first game in Minnesota. That is more receptions than he had in any games <laughs> through the first seven games in Detroit. So uh, congratulations on escaping the abyss of Detroit. TJ Hawkinson, we're looking forward to your new NFL career football down in the bayou as the Saints host the Ravens Baltimore one and a half point favorites AJ you're shaking your head you don't understand you, you don't understand something I don't understand all this money coming in on the Saints I, I, like everybody every and every sharp is saying the same thing as well I Fez RJ they both love the the Saints in this game I don't know what I'm missing mm-hmm. and uh I, I it feels like I guess I'm looking around the room, and maybe I'm the sucker here, but it just does. It doesn't feel right to me that that everybody is these two teams 
just don't feel like they're on the same level. Look ahead in this line was New Orleans plus three and a half. Mm. We're now looking at one and a half. What's changed? So big performance, 24-0 against the Raiders. That moved it to minus three in the World Open. And then sentiment. Sentiment since then, I don't get it. I Listen, you guys know me. I am all about fading recency bias. This is one of the reasons why I love the Bengals yesterday, uh, because everyone was – so high on the Panthers for their performance last week and down on the, on the Bengals. I think we got the same thing here. Uh, the Saints, yeah, looked good against the Raiders, but what, what do we know about the Raiders now? Right. They stink, and they blow 17-point leads. Now I'm just supposed to buy into this, this, this team? Okay, home field probably weighs more at the Dome than other fields, especially in a primetime standalone game. I still got Lamar Jackson. In this game, I, I still got the Ravens defense. I still got a, a coaching edge in John Harbaugh. I, I don't. I don't get it either. Why are the Ravens not the right side of this game? All right, McKenzie, you got anything? You, if you, do you, you know something that we don't know? I don't. I agree with you. Shutting out the Raiders is a lot less impressive today. Now that the Jacksonville Jaguars were able to do it in a must. In a must-have situation in the second half, though, I don't feel like the Saints are much better than I did a week ago. I gotta say the Ravens look like the side to me, and and the Ravens the Ravens are banged up. There's no like no Andrews, no Edwards, no Bateman. That that stinks. But Isaiah Likely's done a good job filling in for Mark Andrews. And Duvernay, Devin there. Duvernay has yeah. been a, f- a fantastic, fantastic guy who's replacing Bateman up, as the number is, one. Is Jarvis Landry playing? Like what's going on? I, I don't know. He's I, questionable, right? Yeah, and we we find out that Michael Thomas done for the season. They yep. don't expect it. So both these teams are banged up. But they've both been pretty banged up all year. New Orleans three and five. Like I haven't seen anything that makes me go, you know what? This team's really about to turn the corner because you beat the Raiders. That's not enough for me. So I, I I like the the Ravens in the first half of this matchup. I want to avoid their second half collapses. They've been dominant in the first half of games. Uh, I expect that to be the case again. I've got no firm take on the side in this game other than I'm. I, while everybody else is going to the window cashing mm. their Saints tickets, I'll just be sitting in the back going, "Man, that that would have been uh, that would have been nice." Uh, McKenzie asks Isaiah likely over with no Mark Andrews. What are the numbers on that, McKenzie? Yeah, that, I mean, that's, I certainly think that that would be the way to look. He's ha- he's filled in admirably, and because there's no Bateman, your options Ford are Duvernay. pretty limited. So Devin Duvernay, yeah, forty and a half for likely. I'll be looking over. That's oh, Isaiah likely. That's yeah. That's likely to go over. Nice. I agree. Boy, that's a low number. But and I also so think you, you take a look at uh, at rushing yards for Lamar Jackson. Because if all else fails, Lamar will just say, you know what, I'll do this myself. Well, especially looking at what Patrick Mahomes did on Sunday Night Football last night. Yeah. When the, when the game was on the line, he ran. And maybe Lamar is thinking, man. Justin Fields now has the record for most rushing yards in a game. I bet you I can get 179. I, I, I could do that. What's he at? About uh, 59.60? Yeah, either one. Yep. Yep. 59 and a half, 60 and a half out there. So uh, those are decent numbers, I would say. Take a quick look around the NBA, and there's one thing that I want while well, we've got our resident NBA expert, McKenzie Rivers, in house. I wanted to talk to him about what the hell is going on with the Golden State Warriors. Steve Kerr saying don't panic. Clay Thompson saying we're not going to panic. I I feel like maybe some panics warranted right now with Golden State. What says McKenzie here? 
I don't think panic is warranted. Definitely concern. So the Warriors have been two teams. They've been the starting five that we know and love, and they've been decent. Uh, Kevin Looney, plus 29 on the season. And then they've brought in this bench unit that's supposed to be the talisman of the future with Moody and James Wiseman, and they've been terrible. When James Wiseman's on the court, they're minus 21. They're plus six when he's off the court. So they're decent, plus six. That's like the Warriors. That's a good you know, top five team, minus 21 with him on the court. That's been the big difference. And Steve Kerr has mentioned, got to change the rotations. They rested everybody last game, but the right right before he said that, we're got to change something else. These rotations aren't working. You know, how much is this, McKenzie, just the idea of this is still, even though it's the NBA regular season, I think, a, I think there's a large sentiment of this is still the NBA preseason. Mm-hmm. and that things don't really get kicked in. I always say the season doesn't start until Christmas. I'm not the only person that says that. But I think there's this this idea that once the calendar flips to January, that's when teams really start to actually play their games. Right. That's why the Warriors were 3-6, and six and they were like, oh, we're not worried about it. We're going to rest Steph. We're going to rest yeah. play. But when you're 3-7, and seven, you know, things got to change. Eventually, you know, it's it's too deep in the season to to change things around. When you're looking at playoff seating down the road. Well, look at what the Celtics did last year. The Celtics were, what, 25 and 25 before they turned it on? Right, and they were by far the best team, but because of that poor start, they didn't have a one seed. Could have been a difference. I mean, they had the road disadvantage in the in the Eastern Conference Finals because of their slow start. Still went to the NBA Finals. Let's talk about <laughs> Because it's the preseason. This doesn't matter. We all know it's going to matter in April. Uh, Lakers drop one yesterday to the Cavs, 114-100. The Lakers fall to 2-7. and seven. And Anthony Davis, two field goal attempts in the second half. Four for five in the first quarter starts out well. One for two in the second half. Like, wh- what's going on with Anthony? Like, you would think they'd want LeBron and AD to have as many possible shot attempts that they can why why would this happen in a game like this? It's it's unclear. And a guy, big man always say, can't pass to myself. <laughs> Twelve shot attempts in the entire game when you lose to the Cavs, only score hundred points. He did not want to talk to the media after the game. I gotta think there's some uh players only meetings happening right now. What's going on? Best player, arguably, on the team gets 12 shots. Well, I would hope that it's uh, apparently it's uh players only meetings because the head coach, he's putting the blame on the players. He said, These guys aren't rookies. Uh, <laughs> right. We have a playbook. We have a menu and a bunch of sets where AD can be featured. You just have to be organized. So he's basically saying, and Russell Westbrook, by the way, a, a primary ball handler says, I don't know whose primary job it is, to be honest. Mm. I'll leave it up to the coaches to figure out the best way for them to utilize him. Yeah. What? <laughs> These are real quotes? Uh, all right. So Lakers three-point dogs in Utah tonight. Utah? Are we making that play? Jazz eight and three. This is supposed to be the worst team in the league. I unbelievable start play, for the Jazz. I, I can't play Utah as a favorite here. I can't play the Lakers as anything. No, me neither. <laughs> so, I generally agree with that. And I can't watch this game. So I guess we'll just leave it. We'll we'll leave this one in the dust. If you don't want to watch Lakers Jazz, well, guess what happens today? We start college basketball season. Wow. It's upon us. Wow. And there's a full slate on Monday. Uh, I guess we'll we'll go ahead and use this as a look ahead for college basketball. Tell you who's playing in the top twenty-five starting early, early, early noon. 
Baylor tipping off the season, 40-and-a-half point favorites against Mississippi Valley State. That should be a fun, fun watch. Uh, but there are some respectable games on the card as well. Villanova. Uh, they are 15-point favorites hosting LaSalle. Michigan, also a 15-point favorite against IPFW. Kentucky, 26.5-point favorites hosting Howard. Dayton Flyers, 31-point favorites hosting L- Lindenwood. Is it Lindenwood or Linwood? Lindenwood. Okay. Where the heck is Lindenwood? I have no idea. That's a made-up team. <laughs> that's, okay. not, that's not a real school. Lindenwood University is in St. Charles, Missouri. That's a high school. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe this is a real basketball team, ladies and gentlemen. So that's 31-point favorites for in Dayton. in 1827 by George Champlin Sibley and Mary Easton Sibley as the Lindenwood School for Girls. Did you say 1827 or 827 this morning? Because I don't believe that no, existed no, no. before. So this is what we know. So now we This is a girls basketball team Dayton, against Dayton? Dayton's <laughs> playing the Lindenwood School for Girls. I'm laying 31, friends. That's what I'm saying. Uh, our, the Indiana Hoosiers uh, are 22-point favorites uh, hosting Moorhead today. Tennessee Moorhead. Tennessee minus 32 uh, against Tennessee Tech. Duke. First game of the Coach Kalis era. Wow. They are 17-point home favorites. It's like strange. Jacksonville, yeah. it's it, What's always been strange about Coach K and where he'll really be missed is Coach K probably looks more like the mascot of his team than any <laughs> other head coach in history. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, the only Well, I think they designed it for him. Probably. Oh, did they? Okay. I don't know. I'm just I'm making that up, but they could have. But like <laughs> he has a snarl. I mean, it you could have told me like when what you just said is they designed the mascot after him. I'd be yeah. like, Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. It wasn't like it's just you go from Coach K. Wasn't John Shire playing for them like three years ago? Like yeah. I mean, where does time go? I mean, it just he's the head coach. When I was in high school, John Shire was Mr. Illinois Basketball. I remember that. Yeah. The the only guy who's in the history has looked more like the mascot than Coach K was Eddie Sutton when he was when he was coaching at Oklahoma State. If you put a court. if you put a cowboy hat and a bandana on him, <laughs> he was literally the Oklahoma State mascot. You can't convince me otherwise. Arkansas Pig Suey, twenty one and a half point favorites against North Dakota State, Kansas. 32 and a half meaningless points against o- Nebraska Omaha, they like to be called now. Uh, no longer the Omaha School for Girls. Uh, Houston, 24 <laughs> point favorites at no- or hosting Northern Colorado. Auburn, minus 12 and a half against George Mason. TCU, ranked in football and basketball, undefeated in football and basketball. Mm. 35 and a half point favorites against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Arkansas Pine Bluff, one of the worst teams in the country. Creighton, 25 and a half point favorites against St. Thomas, the Tommies, Alabama. Basketball outlook better than football outlook right now. Uh, 15 and a half point favorites against Longwood. Longwood. Uh, Illinois, 30 and a half point favorites against Eastern Illinois. Texas, minus 21 and a half, hosting UTEP. North Carolina, minus 23 against Carolina Wilmington. Texas Tech minus 29 hosting Northwestern State. Virginia minus 24 and a half against North Carolina Central. Gonzaga minus 28 and a half against North Florida. Arizona minus 24 hosting Nichols. San Diego State minus 20 against Fullerton. 
Oregon minus 29 against Florida A&M. And finally, and I hope that we don't have all top 25 teams playing at once going forward, uh, but UCLA 24-point favorites over Sacramento State. Current odds to win the national championship. Who are you going with as your top favorites right now? Someone asked me the other day who I would take, like where I would draw the line on these teams or the field. Well, right now you got four favorites that are exactly the same at the top of the odds board. They're all nine to one. North Carolina, Kentucky, Houston, Gonzaga. And then there's a next tier. In that next tier, if I can have Arizona and Baylor, I feel pretty good that th- those are the four, or those are the six. Th- mm-hmm. Those four and those those extra two, that's where I draw the line and say, you can have Kansas, you can have UCLA, you can have Michigan. I'll take these guys. So, so even money? I, yeah, that's where I, that's the kind of the line I was trying to draw is where would I take this versus this? So you don't prefer either side? No, I don't prefer either side. I'm saying that's where I would. So which side do you want to bet me on? I'll take the other side. Uh, I'll take those top six. Okay, so you do have a preference. I mean, Give me plus 105 then. Okay, it's it's a deal. (laughs) Gonzaga, Houston, North Carolina, Kentucky, Baylor, Arizona. McKenzie, you have the field. Plus 105. Plus 105. Congratulations. Let's make this official. Thank you. I'm going to give out. A best bet here. Not on the top 25 game, but I want to get everybody started off on the right foot. Let's go with Winthrop plus 12 and a half. Now that's a made-up school. Winthrop's not a made-up school. I know, I know. Winthrop plus 12 and a half against Penn State. Winthrop's returning a lot from last year, and Penn State's probably going to get better. They're returning a couple key players. They added in some nice transfers, including Cam Winter from Drexel, who I like a lot. They're the more talented team, but they're making these changes it's going to take some while for them to put it together. They're already one of the bottom 10 teams in tempo in the country. Winthrop can light it up. So give me Winthrop to keep this one close. 12 and a half feels like too many points for a team like Penn State that doesn't really run away from anyone. So Winthrop plus 12 and a half, the official SOV best bet the first, day one of the season. Let's start it off on the right foot. Baby. The first college basketball play of the season is on Winthrop. Winthrop or Winthrop? I think it's Winthrop. Winthrop. I don't know. What are they, the, the Eagles or the Falcons? How do you know these things? Huh? What are you, a pro? I know <laughs> <laughs> I know they're a bird. You Eagle. know everything, yeah. don't you? Yeah. They, they, Winthrop they, Eagles, there you go. But they're not the Cardinals. No. Yeah. No, I said be. Eagles or Falcons. But yeah, It was a good call yeah. by you. Good call you know, by it you. It kind of reminds me of like the Bowling Green Falcon. Yeah. But it's the Winthrop Eagles. Win- yeah. yeah. Let's tie a bow around the Major League Baseball season, though, AJ, because the Houston Astros did win the World Series in how many games? Six games. Which was whose prediction? That was your prediction. Well done, friend. And who won the MVP? Jeremy Pena. Which was whose prediction? That was also your prediction. Man, if you listen to Straight Out of Vegas AM. You're rich. Boy, did you hit nicely on this World Series. Uh, The bottom line when it comes down to it is the Philadelphia Phillies – did not hit a lick in this World Series. And everyone wants to talk about what the Astros, you know, yeah, Astros got some timely hits. And, you know, okay, the Phillies did have that one game where they hit, scored seven runs on five home runs. But the Phillies as a team collectively in this entire World Series, they just did not hit. It was one of the historic lows. Actually, I think it is the lowest batting average. They batted 161. 
the lowest team batting average in a World Series for a, a team that was six games or more in the series. So let that wow. sink in. One sixty. They were thirty for one eighty six in the series. That's how you lose a series. They also had the most strikeouts ever in a World Series with 71. So, lowest batting average, most strikeouts. They didn't they this wasn't like they got robbed or a fluky win. They didn't deserve to win this series. Congratulations to the Houston Astros, congratulations to Jeremy Peña, and congratulations to Dusty freaking Baker for sure. Who absolutely deserved this, came in as the right man for the job taking over for A.J. Hinch, getting the Astros out of this scandal and into a new era. What's funny is it was thought at the time that Dusty Baker was kind of like a a temporary fill-in until they could find, like they could get through this, what was thought to be a start of a down era for mm-hmm. Houston. Uh, and then he just kept winning games. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, maybe maybe he is the guy after all. I was so happy for Dusty on Saturday night. There's, I don't think there's a more deserving guy. He seems like one of the good, the good guys in baseball. Uh, certainly glad that he finally got one. I have to ask you this, though. Mm-hmm. Kyle Schwarber was like, he hit a home run almost every time up, it felt like. In the, in the, Why the heck was he bunting? Did he, did he just quit? You're bunting with two strikes? Did he give up? Like, what's the explanation there? Your to your your last at bat of the World Series, I know. two strikes, you bunt. I know. I mean, I, you're not going to convince me that that was like. I, I have to know if that's a Kyle Schwarber decision, or a sign that got sent to him. If it's a sign, whoever whoever put that sign in should be fired. If it's Kyle Schwarber, I really have to question if he quit if he didn't think he could hit. I don't know. It's just it it it's baffling why he would try and do it. Try and catch him off guard. Try and beat a shift. Try and get on base any way you can. Two strikes, dude. In an <laughs> elimination game. Yeah, that can't be it. You cannot get. You cannot go down like that. Forty-six home runs in the regular season. Yeah, and you're trying to bunt with two strikes. Any bunting? Come on. Yep. With Phillies, the bases empty. Phillies didn't deserve to win. Period. What Kyle Schwarber gonna leg it out? Get yeah, out of here. Exactly. Kyle Schwarber's built like you. So congratulations. <laughs> To the no Houston offense. Astros, uh, who are now to Kyle the yeah. second favorite to win the World Series next season. Oh, what are the odds for next season? Behind the Los Angeles Dodgers. Shocker. The Dodgers are the favorite to win the World Series next season at 5-1, to one, followed by the Houston Astros, the Atlanta Braves, And the New York teams, the Yankees and the Mets. Make sure you head to pregame.com and check out all the available packages we have for you. With college basketball starting up, AJ has his college basketball season package. McKenzie's rocking and rolling with the NBA. And I, of course, am on the NHL uh, 31 and 11. That's good. In the NHL this season. Now, I'm no math whiz. But I believe a 31 and 11 record might come out to be like around 75, 74%. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. 
up 25 units. So yeah, that'll work in the NHL. Uh, if you want that package, you might be the McKenzie of hockey. That's what they call me. I've heard people they, calling they, you that in the they, streets. They say McKenzie on ice. So <laughs> I'd see that. Yeah. If you want to get that package or, like I said, the college basketball package, which the season starts today, jump on board. 20% off for listeners of this podcast. How? Use the promo code TRADE20. T-R-A-D-E 20. That gets you 20% off anything at pregame.com. Get the most bang for your buck, though, by jumping on board with a season-long package. And we are still running the Beat McKenzie Rivers NBA Contest. It is free to enter. You go to pregame.com, click on contests, find the McKenzie Rivers NBA Contest. It's free. The contestant that earns the most NBA units will win $500 cash money. Cash money. Cash. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. How are you going to pay that fine, Randy? Straight cash, homie. Straight cash. Guess what, though? If the winner earns more units than what McKenzie did last year, we're going to throw in an extra 500 bucks. They call that doubling it. That's $1,000. That's a G. It's a G-bone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. Yeah. That is a new one. <laughs> Pregame.com. Click on contests. Find the McKenzie Rivers NBA contest. It is free to enter for your chance to win $1,000. For McKenzie Rivers and A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Enjoy your Monday. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Enjoy college basketball. Wow. All day. We are straight out of Vegas. A.M.